it's Blamo. I'm your host, Jeremy Kirkland. Okay, how are we all doing? Well, I can't hear you, but I'm going to tell you how I'm doing. Jeez Louise. This is a, it's been a tough week. Great pod this week, so pumped. But this has been a tough week. And uh, let me just say, you know, had a little bit of car trouble lately. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell the story because it's just so, it's so stupid. And, uh, and look, let me just say that, like, I'm very grateful for my life. I'm so happy to be doing this pod for a living. Uh, but I'm a bit of an idiot, and that's okay. And I'm, I'm learning to just <laughs> live with my idiocy. So I'm driving uh, my car with my daughter to take her to daycare. And everything's going fine. And then the, the, you know, this light pops up on the dashboard. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Check engine light. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Like, is it, it's probably nothing. And I'm like, oh, well, it's flashing. What does that mean? I'm just going to go, you know, we get to the daycare. I look it up and I Google search. And it's like, oh, if the check engine light flashes and you're, you know, it's nothing fancy. It's just like a Toyota RAV4. It's an old one. And it's like, if that flashes, you, you like do not pass go. You got to get that fixed. That's a big deal. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, and of course I call the dealer and, you know, it was some certified car, but of course it, the <laughs> the warranty expired like four days ago. Um, no, I'm not even kidding. I'm just like, come on. So I take it to them, I drop off the car and, uh, you know, and they're like, you know, Mr. Kirkland, we're going to take care of it. Uh, they call me, they're like, oh, you know, your battery's bad. We, we couldn't see the air code from the check engine light. It's probably because the battery was bad, didn't store it. So we're going to change the battery. We're going to find a way to, to replicate this and we'll, we'll get it fixed. I'm like, oh, wow, this, okay. So I go to New York. This is the other week. And um, they, you know, we're working on it. They call me back. Mr. Kirkland, we, we couldn't, we couldn't uh, replicate the issue, but rest assured your car is safe. You know, we did all the things we were supposed to do. I was like, okay, great. So I pick up the car. I'm driving the car again. You know, this is a few days later. Same early morning, taking my daughter to daycare. All of a sudden, doggone light pops on i'm like son of uh like you gotta be kidding me so pull back into the parking lot at the daycare drop off drop off my daughter and i'm just like man these guys at the toyota dealer like they're gonna hear it from me because i'm you know i'm i'm going from mr nice jeremy to like mr i'm disgruntled right you know i don't let the expletives fly but i do in my head so it's probably just as bad and i call him and i'm like hey you know let's just call him His, his name's eric and I'm like, Eric, buddy, uh, look, I got the light again. I got the check engine light. Well, what is going on? And he's like, oh, you know, uh, Mr. Kirkland's sorry to hear that. Uh, you, you know, why, why don't you bring the car back? And I'm like, gosh, like these goofballs can't even fix the issue. And of course, like this is like suburban life problems, right? Like, oh, I got a check engine light on my car. And, it, you know, and, and most of the time, if it was old Jeremy, I would be like, I don't care. I'm driving this car until the wheels fall off. But given the fact I have like, you know, a almost four-year-old in the back seat, I'm like, I probably should be a little bit more responsible. And I, I would say I probably err too cautious. Let's just take that and set it aside. So I'm in the car and the check engine light goes off. I'm like, okay, I'm sure it's fine. You know, just forget it. I'm not going to deal with this. Check engine light comes back on later in the day. I'm going out to dinner. My wife and I are in the car. Boom. And I was like, son of a, all right, that's it. No more things. I'm I'm calling the dealer. So call them. They're like, yeah, like bring it in. I go bring it in. I hand him the car. And and I am hot. I am so hot because I'm just like, I don't, I got plenty of stuff that I'd rather be doing. I don't want to be bringing my doggone car to the dealership. Like this is just, this is freaking infuriating. And there's Eric again, you know, walking around with this fucking shit eating grin. And I am just so mad. And you know, Eric walks over to me and he's like, hey, Mr. Kirtley, you know, is, oh, good. The check-in, you know, is the light on? I was like, look, the, the light's on right now. Like, like you guys, hopefully you guys can diagnose this this time. And so he, he opens the, the car door, gets inside the car, sits in the car. And he's like, Mr. Kirkland, like, well, what do you mean? I don't see the check engine light. And I'm like, dude, like, like, okay. I was like, we, we must be looking at two different cars. Cause like right there. And I point to it and he's like, sir, that's the uh, tire pressure light. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that means, uh, it's a sensor saying that, you know, it can't read the, the pressure of your tire. So that, that light flashes. And I'm like, no, what do you mean? I was like, it's got the exclamation point. It's got the parentheses. It's got that. I was like, that, that's the check engine light. And he's like, uh, sir, no. And he turns the car off, turns the car, car back on. You see all the lights flash on the dashboard. And he's like, do you see the one that's a check engine that lit up? And I was like, yeah. He's like, that's your check engine light. I'm like, all right, big guy. And oh man, I feel like a freaking moron. 
And I would say that is the summary of my week. I am just focusing on <laughs> on the wrong stuff when I think it's the other thing. I mean, it's so how about that? Anyway, great show this week. We got Chris Echevarria of Black Stock and Weber. He's good lord. I mean, this pod perfectly summarizes why I love making this show. Because there are so many incredible artisans and entrepreneurs in this industry. And I love like how the line is blurring more and more every day. Chris of Blackstock and Weber, by the way, has helped turn the loafer from a classic menswear piece to a hyped piece of streetwear and back again. And like for me, the biggest takeaway is that he made me realize more that like just the label of all these things, like streetwear, classic menswear, it, it just doesn't matter. And like I am so convicted of just trying to put things in boxes to say like, that's what it is. Therefore, I can, you know, have a better understanding of it. And to not let brands, you know, evolve and be more fluid is a fault, I think, of all of us face uh, as consumers, period. I mean, it's, but it was just, it was a beautiful conversation and I'm so, so glad that he's on. So Chris and I discussed his life going from working at J. Crew to selling at J. Crew, how his company Blackstock and Weber has become the most talked about brand in ages and what wild things he's working on next. It's a pod for the ages, people. Okay, here we go. Well, thanks for making the time to chat. Um, thanks for having me. Of course. Definitely want to talk a lot about, you know, th- this new sort of, you kind of like burst onto the scene, but you've been in the scene for a while. Yeah. Like, because you're not some guy, I mean, with Blackstock and Weber, which I feel like everyone loves and is obsessed with, but like you didn't just, you know, you didn't start out of some VC or some sort of like, what's the problem? Here's the solution. No. You know. No, there is no problem. From? <laughs> <laughs> there is no problem. Um, so I've pretty much been in menswear my entire career, um, studied menswear design at FIT, uh, probably one of the like best programs in the world. Um, so started there while I was there, I had a job at the J crew liquor store. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I worked there, I was a retail, I was a retail associate there, um, you know, since the store opened. And while I was there, I developed like this really good relationship with Mickey Drexler. Um, and he would just come into the store and, you know, anybody that has listened to any of Mickey's podcasts or, you know, has heard him speak, you know, he's like the type of person that talks to everybody from, you know, the ground up. Right. And, you know, kind of sees where their heads are at. So he would make it a point to come to the liquor store and like, just kind of ask me what I saw going on in the streets and what I liked. And, you know, we didn't necessarily have to like wear J crew in that store. They were just like, you know, whatever you think is, is good because you know, all of you guys have style. Well, to, to, and to just kind of expand on that a little bit for listeners that Mm -hmm. don't know the J crew Mm -hmm. liquor store was probably one of the first big experimental retail projects out of J crew in kind of like the modern menswear era. And it was also one of the first J crews that had third party brands like, as right, you know, as much as they had J Crew private label, like you had the probably Red Wings. more in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I think like Todd Snyder helped, you know, gets get off the ground at yep. that time. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it was it was the spot for the future of retail. I mean, it still is, you know, ahead mm-hmm. of its time and and the vibe of it because I, I know it was um uh Andy Spade, you know, yep. his team had kind of helped Their helped team. get that off the ground. Their team helped do it, um, you know, uh, well, they basically did it, but you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a time, like you said, it was one of those places that was like in the early aughts of like that menswear, that hashtag menswear period, yeah. you know, there were some capitals in, in New York city, if you will. And I would say that, you know, J crew liquor store was one of those epicenters. Um, yeah. yeah so like. You know, so Mickey's just, coming in there and mm-hmm. you guys are becoming buddies. Yep. Yep. Building with Mickey, um, you know, who's like still a really good friend to this day. Um, That's great. Uh, and he would come in and, you know, ask me what I, what I would see was going on in the streets. And, you know, some of the stuff that I would mention to him would just end up in the store, like, you know, a couple of weeks later. Um, like what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, you know, like 
we started carrying Mr. Freedom because, you know, something that I liked. Um, we started, uh, we started carrying certain models of, um, of, uh, vintage watches. Oh, because shit. Of stuff okay. that I like. Um, you know, we start one of, one of the early conversations that we had about like New Balance and Nike were, were, you know, um, integral in the conversations of them bringing them into the shop. Um, AR trap for glasses. Um, you know, who is, uh, who I still buy my glasses from to this day. Uh, they're, they're defunct, but I still work with the factory that produces them. Right. Um, but yeah. yeah. Those things were things that I that I like, you know, liked and, you know, would end up in the store. And, you know, um, Mickey was also a big fan of AR Trap and he was just like, never thought of just like bringing this into the store. Um, but yeah, uh, so started there. Um, and just like anybody else in this industry, you know, kind of worked in several different capacities and in different internships uh i've worked for tim hamilton i've worked for tom brown i've worked for um yeah uh, i did i did a little stint uh at ralph um just like different things that we were just like you know as a student i would just like hop in during like fashion week and you know whether it was like hand out invitations or like whatever um or you know there were some places where i was able to kind of delve deeper in and just like you know kind of lend my expertise and you know talk about the things that i liked and you know just from a just from a design perspective um so you know from there uh cotton incorporated men's trend forecaster uh from there took a little break and chill this was about 2014 Mm -hmm. um and you know went out um and basically just kind of took a hiatus and uh, my boy Dustin gave me a call and he was like, yo, um, what are you up to? It's like, you know, man, I'm, I'm really just hanging out. Like, what do you got? And basically just told me that he was working for the showroom and, you know, they had just came back from Pituomo and, you know, there were a bunch of brands over there that are just like looking for their way to kind of enter the market and, you know, just be here in a way that is substantial in the same way that they are in Europe. Right. So, right. Um, you know, he's like, yo, I think that you would be perfect to kind of join this team and, you know, uh, kind of help out with what's going on here. And I said, okay, cool. Um, well, what brands do you think we'd work with? And, you know, he mentioned a couple and he was like, well, I'm really excited about this one brand, um, that I've been talking to called stone Island. So had you heard of stone Island at the time? I assume no. yes, no. I mean, it wasn't well, something that I could was, afford. It yeah. wasn't something that I could afford. Right. Um, it was one of those things that you would see on a mood board or you would see right. um, you know, on an older gentleman. It wasn't something that I saw as, you know, either A in my reach or B, um, you know, something that would fit within my aesthetic at that time. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we were like, okay, we're really excited about this brand. So it's like, okay, cool. Let's do it. Learned a little bit more about them, you know, rooted in research, really fucking cool Italian, um, you know, producing their own fabrics, like, you know, uh, garment dyeing their own fabrics, like real interesting shit. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm down. Right. Um, (laughs) So uh, start off there and, you know, shit is slow in the beginning, bro. Like, you know, we're getting clothes thrown at us from Stone Island and we're wearing the shit and like nobody really fucks with it. And they're just like, oh, yeah, that what's that that patch you got on your shoulder? Like, you know, we're compass, like, in, man. <laughs> yeah, right. And we're like, we got on full stone outfits and nobody's fucking with it at all. Um, Crazy. So, you know, we knew that we had our work ahead of us. Um, but what we decided to do was kind of recontextualize it and like, you know, kind of show people how this can kind of fit into, um, you know, street culture, um, you know, luxury and luxury culture synonymously. So we approached some of the big luxury stores. We approached some of the big streetwear stores. We, um, you know, most notably had that collaboration with Supreme that we put out. Yeah. Um, 
We did the collaboration with Nike, opened two stores, you know, really blew this business up to the point that they got acquired for a billion dollars just a few months ago. Jeez, um, I, I didn't know about that. Yeah, Montclair, man. Um, so okay, <laughs> yeah, Montclair acquired them for like a billion dollars. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, even before doing, or even before seeing the acquisition, and you know, knowing the amount of work that myself and the team put in into that, um, you know, when I decided to leave in what was like 2017, and this was M five, um, right? The showroom. Yes. Yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, when I decided to leave in 2017, um, you know, there were a couple things going through my head. It was like, all right, cool. I can, you know, either get a job somewhere else or I can use all this, you know, knowledge and, you know, that I've acquired through, you know, doing this over these past like three, four years and do it myself with something that I myself am passionate about. Yeah. Um, and that's how Blackstock and Weber was sort of born. Well, so wait, I do want to jump back one bit on yeah. the Sony stuff because yeah. I think the thing that a lot of people don't realize, the, the work of a brand and especially what you guys were doing, it's not that you changed the design and then the brand became desirable, right? Like, no. N- nothing really, and I say this to your credit, actually, like nothing really changed at the core of what Stone Island was, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, there was already a, a popular following in Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of it was, was a bit like pejorative in the sense that like if you wore Stony, people would think that you were like a soccer hooligan or you were hooligan, some sort yeah. of, yeah, like mm-hmm. it was, there were some parts where now people would kind of like frown that that was how it was being represented. And mm-hmm. so you guys aren't redesigning. You're not changing. It wasn't that like, oh, and then we discovered this fabric and then it became right. cool. And so right. like, w- what is the kind of work that goes involved into changing people's perceptions of something when you physically don't alter the object at all? I think it's just more about the context, right? Um, right. You know, so the the way that, you know, Stone Island was presented um, was very like, you know, what I like to call back then was Italian sexy, mm. you know, like very European sexy, you yeah. know, very techish, you know, same Marie's like, Playboy sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All you right. know what I'm saying? You know, that shit doesn't necessarily translate over here. I mean, as cool as it might be over there, like over here, you know, you're only going to get a certain kind of guy. You're going to get the guy that, you know, aspires to be that. And there are only so many guys that aspire to be that and there are o- and there are only so many pieces that that person is going to buy per year because there are only there are so many other brands out there that are throwing him that same lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? Like he can he can hop in some Paul and Shark. He can hop in some. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, that's what you know, you're, you're fighting against all of these other motherfuckers that are just giving you the same shit. Right. Right. Um, no, that's so, a really good point. So the. The recontextualization um, is, you know, just saying, hey, we have this history in hooligan culture, which has like sort of this direct parallel to like streetwear. Like if like if you like budget a little bit, yes. it's like, OK, this can be streetwear. In a yes. Sense, right. So what we did and, you know, I, I don't I don't think that we knew that we were doing this at the time is we kind of immersed ourselves in that culture and understanding that culture and kind of took that and put it through the filter of a kid who, you know, has grown up in, you know, the, the outer suburbs of New York and has spent a lot of time within New York and kind of ran it through that filter and said, okay, this is what we can keep for this guy. Mm. Let's tell a story this way and see whether it resonates or not. Um, you know, and the fact that we just like, you know, knew some people in the industry that, you know, we could like, you know, kind of sit down and have a beer with and be like, hey, this is this and this is what it was. And this is what we kind of see it as, especially with us like wearing it out, you know, and, you know, us putting it together in the ways that we, um, you know, uh, did and, 
you know, honestly, I feel like we as a group, and I say that as like, you know, the guys that worked at M5 during that era were like super important in creating what was the um, influx of, uh, of, of people wearing Air Force Ones because that was like what you could wear with Stone Island stuff and have it not be too like overly aggressive you couldn't wear you couldn't wear a common projects you know we that that era had kind of passed you couldn't wear a cp with this shit because that's too italian sexy like we had to go the other direction and make it into like sort of like this like new york sort of thing right yeah so the air force one was the perfect compliment it was super comfortable we were doing a lot of traveling so it was like the shoe that we would wear when we would travel um, when we travel, we do a lot of walking between meetings and things like that. So it was just like a functional shoe for us. And if it and if it got dirty or if it was something or if it was like really shitty, it was something that we could like throw away because it was seventy five dollars and like not give a fuck about it. And if we needed another pair wherever we were in the world, we could get it because it's something that is sold everywhere. Right, right, right. Interesting. Yeah, because I mean, like, I remember seeing like Adrian Carter, mm-hmm. you know, and my man. Yeah, I mean, he was he was wearing the uh, he was wearing the like overalls, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, that's a vibe, man. And I was like that. Mm-hmm. It was, and it, I think like that's the big thing that you guys were doing too is also, you know, I mean, there's a representation thing that was happening, but also, yeah, I mean, like showing that it could be worn differently versus Mm -hmm. i think yeah what a lot of people knew at stone island was was either like archival stuff from osti or Mm -hmm. yeah like a british soccer hooligan dude of like a chelsea smiler with like a razor blade which is which you know in some ways you can look back and be like oh that's kind of cool but you don't want to like glorify violence or no no (laughs) exactly no No, but you know and that's the same thing when you look at like you know Let's let's look at Tommy Hilfiger, bingo, you know, respectively. Yeah. Let's look at Ralph Lauren, respectively. Yeah. Like you know, when you take these things that have like a very strong base to them, mm-hmm. and you run them through the filter of somebody who you know, um, you know, like I said, lived in those outer suburbs, might not have grown up in the hood, but like has like cousins that live in the hood, and like spent a substantial amount of time there have like grew up watching music videos and like, you know, kind of putting those things into context there. And then there's like, you know, just like living here and traveling and understand and like traveling and understanding like the, the importance of, uh, of a well-made good and, you know, the, the importance of fabrication in in certain things, you know, it was, it was just like, you know, all of the things that in, in, this is why I say that Blackstock and Weber is sort of my life's work. It's like all of the things that I had experienced in my life, you know, just kind of like created what this is. It's like you put all of those things into a blender and you pour it out and that's Black Sock and Weber, honestly. No, I, that's a great explanation because I think when Black Sock and Weber came out, I was like, wait, are these loafers or are these sneakers? And, right. I, and I felt like, and I'm... I, again like as a compliment because Mm -hmm. in my mind and this is something i'm just realizing that like i think that i'm super open to everything and i get it Mm -hmm. but no Mm -hmm. matter what my like feeble brain puts everything in boxes because Mm -hmm. i'm because i'm scared of admitting that i don't understand stuff right Mm -hmm. and when Mm -hmm. blackstock came out i was like i don't get it i I was like (laughs) i was like it's they're like they're loafers, but they're yeah. like like sneaker. And I was like, I don't understand any of this stuff. And I initially, I was like, man, it maybe it's just not for me. And mm-hmm. I was, and it was yeah. more just like me being jealous because I yeah. didn't get it. And all my yeah. other friends were like, this is dope. You have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> and I, w- it was like almost like if I can make a meme, it was like me mm-hmm. holding my Alden Cordovans in one hand and looking yep. at Black Socks and being like. Why are these so much better holding up the yeah. black socks? Like, right. what is? Yeah. yeah, what is it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, honestly, it was like you know, like I said, it was that it was that like mix of all of these things. Um, 
And, you know, one of the things that I, you know, sort of left out of my history here is I was a I was also an agent for this uh, shoe brand um, for the U.S. called Sanders. So they are a factory out of the U.K. Yo, I knew them um, running the mill. All those shoes were, yeah, were Sanders. Yeah. I mean, for, yeah. I'm explaining it for everybody that's listening. Right? Yeah, please, please. Um, <laughs> I know you know. I'm explaining it for everybody that's fucking listening. Um, so, yeah, out of the UK, um, probably some of the best, you know, handmade shoes that you can get out of Northampton. Like, everybody talks that, like, fucking churches, you know, like, fuck all that shit. Like, Sanders <laughs> makes the best shoe, Period. Sanders makes the best shoes in the UK. I mean, to the point, like, they were making Tom Brown shit back in the day. Yes, sir. And, and Tom Brown's long wings, if you remember from back in the day, Tom Brown's long wings were $2,000. Well, yeah, because he started at Trickers, and mm-hmm. then they moved to Sanders because the mm-hmm. production, there were issues with the production of Trickers. Yeah. And yeah. Sanders could handle all of the things that they wanted. Yep. Yeah, yep. I mean, they were, they, they were they crushing were, they, it. They were $2,000 coming out of Sanders, too. Yeah. But, like, that's the thing is, like, you know, if you can if you can literally sell a product for $2,000 when somebody has it in their hand, because there wasn't that much online, like, True. activity of people, like, buying shoes online back then, especially at that price point. If you could sell somebody that shoe for $2,000 once they have it in their hand, you know it's fucking good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know it's good. Anyway. I was the I was the agent for Sanders for a while. Um, you know, there was some overlap there while I was at Stone. But what, you know, that relationship sort of afforded me, and this kind of goes back to your question of like, you know, did you just like stop doing this and automatically have a shoe? Fuck no. Like <laughs> <laughs> fuck no, that's not how this shit works. <laughs> yeah. Um so like I had uh I had this relationship with this factory and I you know, was sort of looking around at the market after I left Stone and was just trying to figure out, you know, where I could sort of make my mark, Mm. honestly. Um, You know, and, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be in shirting. I knew it wasn't going to be in fucking pants. I knew it wasn't going to be in any of these things that, you know, people see as very fucking important, right? I wasn't going to make the best suit out there. I feel like Martin Greenfield makes the best suit out there. So I wasn't going to compete with him. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what I'm saying? I I wasn't going to make the, I wasn't going to make the best, you know, pair of pants out there. I wasn't going to make the best jeans out there. Double RL makes the best jeans, you know? Right. 316 is next next in line. But, you know, like, I like, you know, I like what I like. And I know that those people make really good shit. Um, So... I did a lot of shopping, did a lot of looking around at the market and seeing what was going on. And whenever you go into a men's shop, right, the first thing that you see, shirts, pants, all the way in the back of the motherfucker, some shoes. Yeah, you're right. Footwear is always in the back. Always in the back of the motherfucker, some shoes, right? That's so, a really good point. Yeah. You so you go you get to the back of the store and you see the shoes and what do you see on the wall? Fucking brown town. Brown shoe in this in this way. Brown shoe in that 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 way. This shit is in 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 my head. I'm like this shit is not exciting at, at all. Cordovan <laughs> over here. Like, you know, oh, this is this is the Cordovan one, so it's more expensive. Like, this is the cooler one because it's more expensive and it's all based on price. And it's just like, all right, cool, bro. Like, there's nothing going on here that that is that is interesting to me. Um, so. I said, yo, I think that this is. A thing here, hmm. I think that because everybody spends their time contextualizing outerwear they can they contextualize you know um uh bottoms and tops they contextualize accessories but shoes the only thing that everybody fucking needs right the only thing that everybody needs becomes this thing that is an afterthought yeah and i feel like she at least for me because i'm a guy where you know i was 
I'll always buy shoes. I never mm-hmm. am going to say like, oh, I, I don't need that right now. Like, mm-hmm. I'll look at that with suits. I think shoes and denim. Like, I went and looked in my closet shoes the other day, yeah. and I was like, yeah. yo, I got, this is not a flex. I was like, yo, I got like 16 pairs of jeans. And I was like, I think right. I need a new pair of jeans for the fall. And I'm like, what? Right. I, I don't right. need them. But I'm like, no, nah, I need right. them. And I looked down, and I was like, probably need some new shoes, too. Got to get some right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Gotta get right. I'm fine on just, sweaters for all time. Don't need a sweater I just ever did again. My, I just did my denim haul for the fall. Yeah, there you go. I just did my denim fall for the haul. And like, yo, one of the things that you kind of get better at as you get older is like timing the shit out. Right. Because usually like I'll be like in the middle of the fall or like in the middle of the winter and I'm like, oh shit, I need some jeans, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But like now I'm just like, all right, cool. What do I need to do before fall hits? Okay. I need to get my barber waxed. I need to get my jeans straight. I need to get everything. Like I get to, I need to get everything fucking tailored. Um, I need to get, I need to get, uh, my denim chain stitched and all of that shit takes time. And if you don't do it early enough, then everybody else is trying to do it at the same time as you. That's I right. dropped off my barber last week because <laughs> I'm not fucking, I'm not, I dropped off six barbers to the store last week because I'm not fucking around Damn. with anybody like, you know, like saying, oh, it's going to take six weeks for you to get your jacket back. Fuck that. I wear that shit all winter. Yeah. I don't really buy a winter jacket. Like I wear a barber and a hoodie. Like that's just what there I go. Um, but yes. So anyway, so Damn you're in the store. Yeah, so you're in the store and you're basically looking at the the shoe samples that people have. And there's really not much there. Because I'll be honest, most men's shops, it's weird. If you're a men's store, and I say this from stores that I worked at, footwear mm-hmm. is 30% of your business. Mm-hmm. Which, if you look at the diversification, diversity, whatever, lack of better mm-hmm. term, of all the mm-hmm. other SKUs that are out there, there's mm-hmm. nothing that really carries a store like shoes. If you're like a a denim store, you're selling boots and all, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just a massive part of your business. But when For you sure. think about it, there's not that much out there. Most people like do anything and everything they can to get an Alden account. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And like yeah. Alden's been making the same, you know, leisure hand zones, the same Cordovans, the same all that stuff for ages. Yeah. 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 I mean, listen, I was always an Alden guy too. I mean, Alden was one of the plays that, you know, I was involved in with J. Crew, but like, it's right. just like, you know, like that was, you know, what we had and that was the gold standard, um, you know, until, uh, God bless this man, Mark McNary came along and, you know, we got to see a whole nother side of things. Yeah. Yeah. And it was cool to, you know, and I think that's where you, you kind of picked up right mm-hmm. where M- McNary was in the sense mm-hmm. that I think people think sneakers are the shoes that you can wear that are fun and weird. But if you're going to wear leather-soled shoes, they can't be fun. And mm-hmm. I have no idea why that was some unwritten law that everyone was abiding by. And thankfully, like, you've definitely have come and, and reinterpreted that for a lot of people. But listen to, but listen to the way that people talked about them, right? Um, you know, oh, those are church shoes. Oh, those are dress shoes. Oh. You know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When, when people start... Yeah. saying those things and they contextualize it in Dress people's shoes. heads. Yeah. You know, when you say it like that, like, you're like, I can only wear it this way. Uh-huh. Or like, you know, people don't understand that, that, you know, what you say has fucking power. If people are saying church shoes, dress shoes, hard bottoms, you know, they don't sound comfortable, they don't sound stylish, and they don't sound cool. It's very, yeah, you just close the door on a gajillion different, the, yeah. You close the whole fucking door. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, all I really did was open the door and so and show people like, yo, jeans, sweatpants, shorts, wear them. Right. You know, like, like, it's not some, like, you know, quirky thing that somebody quirky can wear, like, uh, you know like Tyler, the creator or something like that. You know, it's not just that. It's just like, yo, you go into the store, you going to go walk your dog downstairs, throw on some fucking loafers. They're comfortable. Right. You know, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to run to your closet and try to find your new balance. Even though those are comfortable too. Like, you know, if your loafers about a door, don't feel weird going outside of your loafers. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, I think two people were also thrown off 
I like there was a mindset mm-hmm. that people had of like, oh, if I wear a shoe, I gotta quote break it in, and it's like, yeah. well, I, I don't have time to break it in yet, so mm-hmm. I'm just never mm-hmm. gonna wear it, and mm-hmm. I don't find that to be the case with like because breaking initially came from like construction boots, right? Absolutely, where you had like steel <laughs> toes and stuff like that. Listen, listen, breaking period is bullshit. You know, (laughs) like, I don't like everybody asks me, like, what's the break in period? I'm like, yo, however long it takes for you to stop complaining about how these, (laughs) you know, that's just the way it is. Like, bro, like, like this shoe isn't going to ever feel like a sneaker, you know? It's a little bit stiffer. It has a little bit more, you know, oomph to it. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to feel like that. So don't expect that. You know, you might get some blisters or whatever. Toughen the fuck up. (laughs) It's not about the shoe. You're never going to break in the shoe. You know what I'm saying? It might feel a little bit more comfortable. It might give a little bit because it's leather. It's skin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's going to give a little bit, but it's not. Toughen up. There's There's no such thing as the break in period, bro. Right. You know, just put the shits on, wear them. You know, it's like it's like when you get on a bike, right? You get on a bike for the first time and like people are like, oh, my ass hurts. No, it's not your ass. It's your sits bones. And when you sit on those sits bones for like the first time, like your ass, is like your fucking the whole shit is going to hurt. Right. But as you ride your bike and you continue to ride, like it's not going to bother you anymore. Has the force lessened from you sitting on your bike? No, you just got used to it, bro. Right. Toughen right. up. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Toughen toughen up, man. Oh, yeah, I feel like it's it's been broken in now. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, no. Oh, yeah. no, it's not broken in. You just got tougher. Yeah. <laughs> so you start making these shoes, and I, you know, I'll admit I I feel like based on my perception, like there was a bit of an uphill battle just like what you're having to do with Stony and like recontextualizing like no 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 look at it this way mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. about it this way mm-hmm. so w- what was that like i mean cuz i think you were you were just doing direct to consumer on on the website at the time right yep yep um and you know it was honestly it was all the lookbooks really mm. so you know one of the things that you can do, just like, and, you know, we've seen this from, you know, many direct-to-consumer companies, is they take their product images and, you know, they put them online and they say, hey, this is the product and this is, and this is why it's good and this is where it's made and this is the story, right? Mm. Um, you know, as much as that is a, you know, very important part of the story, it's not the fucking story. If you've worked in fashion, you understand that nobody buys shit because it is Goodyear welted made in England. Da, 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 da. Nobody buys it because of that. Right. They buy it because they like it. Right. They buy it because they like it. Now, if you can add on to that Goodyear welted made in England, da, 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 then you're then you're stepping your shit up like 10 extra notches, you know, then people are like, yo, not only is this something that I really like fuck with and like, you know, can kind of see where they're headed with it, but they actually care about what it is that they put out because there are a lot of brands that do one well and don't do the other well. Right. There, there are tons of brands that, 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 you know, like we're the best made shoe in wherever, or, you know, this is really fucking stylish. And we put it into context, but the product is shit. Yeah. I have always, you know, just in, you know, my consumerism, in my career, everything have always wanted each of those levers to be, to be hit. Mm. I, 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 I don't respect a product if it has, if it, if it has one and not the other. Um, like I'm sitting here. I'm drinking this beer. So I, it's called Noam. Okay. Right? Bavaria, so, Berlin. Yeah, man. This shit is fire. Um, so I ordered this shit. So I had this beer for the first time at uh, Hotel Costas in, um, in France. 
Flex. In Paris. In Paris. Yeah. A little bit. Um, <laughs> so I had this beer for the first time there. And, you know, I'm 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 a Miller High Life guy. Like I like light fucking beers that, you know, basically taste like water. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh and you know, I was like, what do you have that's sort of like high life? And they were like, oh, this. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, so I had it that first time and I wasn't able to stop thinking about it. Went back to Paris just recently. So like the day that they opened up the borders, right. Um, you know, to go back, like I was there that day. I was, I was in Paris that day. And, you know, I took my assistant, um, I took my assistant, I took Ellis with me Yeah, and Ellis, um, you know, had, had never been to this place. So I, so I was like, all right, cool. Let's go get lunch at Costa's. So we went to go get lunch and, you know, of course, second time having this beer. Right. So I'm like, yo, fuck, man, I need this beer at home. So I emailed the company while I'm sitting there at lunch and I'm like, yo, how can I get some of this shit to the States? They were like, yo, all right, cool. We'll hook it up for you. We'll send like 50 bottles over to your crib. 50? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many do you have left? Yeah. Um, not many. Um, <laughs> not many. Not many. Like, you know, it's it's been a ritual. Like you come home, like, yeah, right, I'm cool. I'm gonna have a couple. Um, but yeah, so I say that to say that this beer, German beer, yep. is fucking amazing. Yep. Number one. Number two, all of the creative, like, look at this bottle. It's like fluted and shit. Like, yeah, I just looked up insane. the website while while we're talking. It's uh so, I get it. So, so all of the creative is done by Acme. What? Yes. Yes. All of the creative is done by Acme. So like Acme, the brand has like a creative studio that does shit as well. And this is one of the brands that is in their creative studio. I get it now because you take something that is, it's just not as accessible or mm-hmm. in everyone else's eyes that see it and understand it, they connect it to all of these things that are not accessible or open to mm-hmm. them, right? And mm-hmm. I felt like mm-hmm. with Blackstock, that was the thing that you did. You like reclaim the loafer, taking yeah, it away sure. from a bunch of like prep dudes, taking it away from like a bunch of wasp stuff, removing mm-hmm. all of that and making it mm-hmm. more accessible into, you know, a streetwear, a sneaker. Uh, mm-hmm. A suit, all of these yeah. things. We're like the shoe has not whatever changed. The outfits remain. Whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, right? You know, in in that, and I'm glad that you said that, and I'm glad that you realized that because that is the overall ethos of the brand. You know, we are, you know, what I see us as. Um, you know, like a lot of people see us as a shoe company because that's what we sell right now, right? Right. But like as we continue to grow and we start to introduce new things, you know, as somebody who is a traditionally trained menswear designer, like can make a fucking suit by hand, um, you know, fucking with the canvas and everything. Right. Right. Like, you know, like I can do that shit. Um, you know, I've found it really important, especially for this era to kind of look back and see like, like the things that we've kind of forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there isn't as much of an obsession or, you know, a, um, a, a passion for a well-made trouser. Right. There isn't that much obsession or passion for a well-made chore coat, you know? Like, I'm very fucking specific about the shit that I buy, and I'm sure you are too. Yeah, yeah. Um, But there are people out there that are just in the habit of taking anything. And I feel like through B&W, I'm just like, hey, slow the fuck down. There's a lot of really good shit out here. Mm -hmm. And you don't just have to get something to get the look off. Right. You can get something that can carry you for a long period of time something that you will love something that you when you wear it people will notice it because it's well made it's not like a flash in the fucking pan every time that you put on whatever it is that we make or whatever it is that we decide to 
kind of put out, it will be a standout piece in your wardrobe. Not because the colors are fucking wacky. Not because, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it's because it's just, it looks good. It feels good. You know, when somebody, you know, brushes up against you, they feel how fucking luxurious the fabric is. When, when you, somebody sees you walking down the street, like, you know, in a pair of our loafers, our loafers don't look like anybody else's. That's very true. And they don't look yeah. like anybody else's. Yeah. They command attention. And that is something that I did intentionally. I made the design wider. I made the I, I stacked the heel up double. So it's a double leather sole instead of a single. Like we use grain for texture instead of a instead of a smooth. Because all of these things are super important to us or to me, um, you know, as the designer. Um, you know, just to kind of create a different sort of aura or understanding about like what it is that you know the loafer um can be and will be in the future right um and like i see that as um you know just not just the way that we see the loafer but just the way that um you know i see things or i live my life in general right um all right i got some fun random questions sick let's do it if you were making a YouTube how-to video, what would the subject be? Oh, yo, you know what it would be? It would be um, on wearing the right silhouettes for your body type. Oh, that's actually really good. It would be okay. on wearing the right silhouettes for your body type. Because I spent a lot of time trying to wear the wrong shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I see a lot of people... In New York and abroad, wearing the wrong shit, wearing shit that is for somebody that is tall and skinny and they are short and chubby. You know what I'm saying? Like finding the right shit for you and being able to kind of look in the mirror and see what's wrong. Mm, that's right. what it would be on. I would be I'd be telling motherfuckers how to like, you know, kind of wear the right silhouettes for them. Get you your know? geometry going. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. That would um, be shit. That's a good one. OK, last movie you saw. Well, that you liked, that I liked. You know what? You you know what movie I liked in that you know I've watched probably a couple times since then. And like I didn't watch when it first came out, War Dogs. Oh, War Dogs. Yeah, that's a that's that's a good one. Yeah, I've been, that's I've, out of left field too. I've, I've watched that a few times. Um, okay, since I, since I watched it on Netflix. But yeah, War Dogs, fire. Um, all right. Last album you heard that you liked? Certified Lover Boy. Okay, so well, we know where you stand. Yeah, so um, love it, boy. Mm-hmm. Last YouTube video you watched? I have a bunch of shit. My shit is wild, bro. Like it's mostly cars, honestly. Oh, okay. I I talk about this all the time. Do you you like Doug Demero? Yes, I love I love I love this. Doug this is <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. I love Doug. I love Doug. I watch a lot of Doug. Um. I watch um, a lot of, uh, fuck, what's his name? Chris something. Chris, Chris, Chris. Chris Harris. Oh, okay. I watch a lot of Chris Harris. Um, you know, I I tend to, um, before I buy a car, mm-hmm. I tend to watch a lot of videos on it. Because you're, you're a car guy, right? I would say, I would say so, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say so. Okay. Um, I... I own um I own two cars, the third is on the way. Um Okay, so yeah, you're a car guy. In in New York City. Jesus. Wait, what are your cars? <laughs> I know you got a Porsche. I have a Porsche 911, Carrera yep. S. Um I have uh a 300 T D wagon, 1983. Oh, okay. With the cocoa mats inside, original radio, none of that alpine shit. Like real <laughs> deal motherfucking 83 wagon diesel oh diesel all right um so i have that um and i have a i have a 911 gt3 2022 on order to deliver next year damn there you go that's yeah. that's a legit car okay yeah i need um, a truck i need a truck though you're gonna get the. Uh, you know what's Don't crazy? Don't say the G wagon. I, I no, mean, yo, you got to get an F one fifty, right? Listen, I, I actually, I want to, I want to, I want a Defender. I want to land really? a Rover Defender, the new one. But here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put like big Arctic tires on it. Um, 
Okay. Yeah. I'm going to put big Arctic tires on it. Um, and, uh, you know, just fully blacked out. Damn. Um, you know, and that will be my fishing truck. You fish? Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got to go roll with Coggins, man. I, I mean, I'd be up there. I'd be right up there with Coggins, but like, I don't know Coggins. So like, you know, we, we're in the same area. We probably fish the same waters, but like, I don't know Dave that well. So let me know. I'll, I mean, I'm happy to link you guys. He's, yeah. he's a sweetheart. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Right okay. in Cook, right in Cook's Falls in the Beaver Kill. Catch me in my waders. Fly fishing. <laughs> fly fishing. There you go. All right. Go. Uh, what's the last thing you bought online? Um, I bought six pairs of New Balance 996s. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, so that, so much for loafers. <laughs> listen, listen. The, listen, so I have two things that I wear. I wear the 996s and I wear my loafers. Um, if you see me out, I'm wearing either one of them. Um, the 996s, they're the made in U. They're the made in USA versions. Um, just straight up gray, uh, gray and like hints of brown and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you know, best shoe of all time, in my opinion. Um, but you can never find them. That's true. You can, you can never find them. So I'll go into a store; they don't have them. But uh, um, and every once in a while, I'll like you know do a search online. Um, and, you know, mostly the only searches that come up are, you know, StockX and, you know, somebody selling me a pair of, you know, New Balance for $275, like eat a dick. Right. So like, (laughs) so, so I'm like, all right. So I'm like, all right, I'll just wait. So I searched it the other day and Essence had them in stock. And, you know, like if I see them, I'm going to buy a bunch of them. So I bought one. To see if it was exactly what I wanted it to be. I got those in. And it was. And then I went fucking ham. There you go. Uh, <laughs> if I if I had my own like e-commerce store. And I was selling New Balance. I'd mm-hmm. have every color listed. But when mm-hmm. you add a color that is not gray to cart. <laughs> it would just say wrong. Wrong. <laughs> People be like what? I, I want to get the red ones. It's like you can't. No. No. <laughs> There is only dumbass. one option. <laughs> yeah, like it, like it just says dumbass across the screen. Do not. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's going to at me be like, I actually wear the orange. Like, that's cool. Power to you. Gray's listen, the only one. Listen, uh, somebody might, sub, uh, like, might unsubscribe from your Patreon because. Oh, I've, read, I've had that happen. Where <laughs> they have read New Balance. People have been like, I'm disappointed in that you thought that, mm-hmm. you know, I shouldn't wear this. And I'm like, I think you should wear anything. Yeah. I just also have my own opinions. I and have I, my own opinions. I like to have my opinions for myself mm-hmm. incredibly strong, and I'm so convicted by them until I change my mind. Listen, that's the only <laughs> way. That's the only way. And like, yo, honestly, like looking back when you're when you're young and you're like, oh shit, like you know, you see an old man that like mm. kind of wears sort of the same thing every day. And you're like, yo, what the fuck? This old man, like, he doesn't, he doesn't put on anything interesting. Nah, he's figured it out. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> he's figured it out. He's he's content. This he is understands. A, yeah. yeah. This he's is a, a 90 degree Fahrenheit cardigan wearing dude. Right, yeah. right. He don't give a <laughs> fuck. He knows what's good for him. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So that's, that's going to be us when we get older. I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. Um, <laughs> What is a movie, book, or film that when someone mentions, you feel that they understand you? I'll 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 say one. I'll I'll say one of each. Right. I'll say one sure. movie and one book. Um. So the book is definitely Shoe Dog. Oh, okay. Um, I read that book, and I, you know, by the time I read that book, I like the business was already up and humming. <laughs> But I read that book and basically heard everything that I had done over the past two years. <laughs> right. Um, that's good. That's good validation. Yeah. And that, that's the Phil Knight Nike yeah. book, I assume. Yeah. Okay, yeah. From, from, the, from the money woes to, like, you know, everything. It was just, mm. you know, sort of like a mirror situation. Mm. Um, the, the movie, I would say, is paid in full. <laughs> Not familiar with that one. The the Rockefeller film paid in full with Cameron, Dame Dash, Mackay Pfeiffer. 
Whoa. <laughs> and um, Wood Harris. Okay. Uh, damn. All right. Yes. Yes. If you if you've seen that movie, you know who I am. It was I don't good. know. I don't know if you're. I don't know if you're going to ask me this question later on. But my favorite brand of all time is Band of Outsiders. Really? Have you ever talked with Scott? You know, we we haven't like spoken beyond like me telling him like, yo, he's probably one of my biggest inspirations in this shit. That's awesome. Um, you know, like when I got off the ground, I was like, yo, like I hit him up. I hit him with a DM and I was like, yo, like you are the guy to me, you know, um, and, you know, I just needed him to know that. Yeah. So, you know, Scott is, it, you know, that that was one of the brands that like, you know, first showed me what it's like to kind of recontextualize something like that. Um, you know, his stuff was, you know, just, you know, the way that the brand operated, the way that, mm. you know, the new takes on these old things, like, you know, it was like, I think he did like a Harrington jacket that was in leather. That was like fucking amazing. Um, you know, the Sperry's that he did monumental. There's no, there's no better Sperry out there than the ones that Scott did. I agree. I want them to re-release those all the time. The inside mm-hmm. out ones, all that, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Put, just the put canvas them back ones, out. put them yep. out, put them out. Like we did a, um, like we did a denim loafer this past season. And that was like, you know, me thinking about the canvas and shit that, that Scott did. Yeah. Um, and like, that's my favorite shoe that I've made. You know, a lot of people love the the cowhide and all that other shit and the croc and shit. You know, those shits are nice. But like my favorite shoe is the denim because like you can do so many different things to it. As you wear it, it'll change. Like that's my favorite shoe that I made. Dang. That's cool about about Band of Outsiders though. I mean, I probably <laughs> I feel like that is a brand that Mm-hmm. Now more than ever, people are like, "Oh man, we actually did have a really good like." Yes, yes. I mean, it was yeah. just it was so great. Yeah, I remember when they opened that store on Wooster. Like, I was just so psyched, and, you know. And they had That's they had right. milk, they had the milk bar in there. You know what I'm saying? They were selling cookies and ice cream, like right on the side. Like they were at the they were where people want to be right now. Yeah, but it just it didn't last long. Like there was some, like there, there was whatever the financial thing was that happened with them, you know, that should happen. And, you know, the store closed, like maybe happens months when you after take they opened. Private money. I mean, that's this a tough shit. thing too. If this someone comes is... knocking on your door and they're like, hey, we want to take you to the next level. Proceed mm-hmm. with caution. Yeah. I mean, but here's the thing, man, you know, in, in, you know, I actually respect Scott for even going that route and taking it because it's like, yo, like if you have a moment in time you know, and you want to take full advantage of it, then, you know, sometimes you need that cash. Sometimes you need that cash. And, you know, Scott probably didn't do what was best for him in that situation, because I'm sure Scott was fine. He was taken care of, like, you know, he was making enough money to be able to be okay. Mm -hmm. But Scott was like, yo, I want to be able to take this thing to the next level for the people that love it. Right. Right. You know? And that's and that's a decision, you know, that you that, you know, you you make with caution, of course. But, you know, you don't know where your partnerships are going to lead you with somebody like, you know, Scott made that decision, you know, based on the fact that he wanted to give people, you know, if it was for the store, he wanted to give people a place where they can come and check shit out. And that's not Barney's right. or, or, or opening ceremony. You know what I'm saying? Like you want to create that narrative yourself. and like. That's something that we're getting ready to do as well. We're getting ready to open the store soon. Um, so, like, you know, I understand that, you know, as much as, you know, you got to be careful, like, sometimes your consumer base makes a decision for you before it's before it's ready, before you're ready to make that decision. Well, I mean, that's that's the advice that Ralph Lauren gives to almost every young designer. I mean, I remember when I had, yeah, when I had the Marcus from Rag and Bone on, when he Mm talks about when they met with Ralph, he said that Ralph pulled them aside because it was Marcus and then his, his partner who's no longer Mm -hmm. with him. Mm -hmm. And he said that the number one thing you got to do for your brand is to open up your own store because Mm -hmm. it allows like what you were just saying, it allows you to tell your customers, no, 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 
this is our experience. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is that's cool that we're sold here, mm-hmm. but that's their experience with our product yep. in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This you can say, no, this is what Black Sock and Weber is. This yeah. is our music. This is what's on the wall. This right. is our furniture. Yeah. This is us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's and that's super important to me. Um, yeah. You know, uh, like I like I'm fighting with you know our finance team, you know, and our finance, like everybody that I work with is homies. Right. So like, you know, like our finance team is like, you know, a good friend of mine who works in finance. Right. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. So like, you know, I'm like fighting with him about this shit and I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And like, you got to figure out what, what that looks like around me. Yeah. For, for this yeah. one, everything else, everything else I'm like, cool with listening to you on. But every but like this, you're gonna have to figure out what this is around me. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I mean that's that's good. I mean because you also gotta have because I mean any finance person is gonna be about safety, you know. Mm-hmm. And okay, mm-hmm. well let's make sure that we have enough reserves so we can do this. And if things go bad, mm-hmm. and it's like, but sometimes you gotta have someone that just is like, nope, my foot's mm-hmm. on the gas, and we're not mm-hmm. letting go. We're mm-hmm. either blowing up or we're you know, right. So right. That's good. Yeah. Well, Chris, this has been awesome. Thank this you so much for your time. This I mean, we end? can keep chatting, but this has been yeah. this has been really, really good. Uh, yeah, 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 Chris, yeah, yeah. thank you so much for chatting, man. It was it was real good to talk. I'll talk to you soon. Thank dude. you. All right, thank later. you. Thanks so much for listening. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. We're edited by Marlowe. The theme music, as always, by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you heard, you know the drill. Share the pod with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Do all the good stuff. Follow us on Instagram for all the hot content at Blamo Podcasts. And if you want to talk to us and give us your hot take, we'd love to hear from you. Call us at 917-267-2495. Leave us a message and we'll put it in a future episode. Or just email us at info at blamopod.com. Uh, if you want to hang and join the Blam Fam, visit patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where we have tons of exclusive episodes in our amazing Slack community, where we talk about just you name it. It's all there. All right, that's it from me. Learn what your check engine light looks like. I'll see you soon. <laughs>